0: Hello and welcome to the Trauma Talks podcast, a podcast where we examine the different experiences of trauma and how it affects people's lives day to day. We speak to experts through experience and experts in the field and share practical coping strategies for managing life after trauma. Presented by myself, Jeremy Sachs. And me, Catherine
1: Cox. In this episode, we'll be talking about trauma and the chem sex scene, with our panel of guests who are experts through experience. We'll be examining the impacts of chemsex when we have trauma or traumas in our history. In this podcast, we will not be going into intimate details about the traumatic events. It's intended to be informative, educational and supportive. However, it's not a therapeutic intervention. And it's very important that if you think listening to the show could be upsetting or triggering to you, that you look after yourself. This could be by listening with a cup of tea.
0: Listen to it with a friend or loved one.
1: Make sure you're sitting in your favourite comfy chair.
0: Or listen to it in small chunks, remembering to stop when you need to take a break. The show itself is in three parts, so there'll be natural spaces for a cup of tea, a digestive biscuit or even a hobnob.
1: One thing to keep in mind is that we're not saying Chemsex is traumatic or that everyone who engages in Chemsex has experienced trauma. We've chosen to look at this subject because Jeremy and I have noticed a number of clients who have experienced trauma also have a problematic relationship with chemsex.
0: This, coupled with the fact that it's a relative unknown in society, meant it felt worth Trauma Talks investigating. In the groups, me and Catherine run at Survivors UK. We start the group sessions with a check in. It's two minutes for members of the group to communicate how they're feeling take stock of where they are emotionally and start. We're joined by two guests today who are experts for experience, Peter and Glenn, who we know through the Survivors UK services. And I wonder if we could do a short check-in just to get us started to say whether this week living with trauma has been a challenge or relatively simple.
2: Uh, Yes, hi, I'm Glenn. This week's been uh pretty good actually i'm in recovery at the moment and coming up to what's called day 90 so it feels like this uh, seven months of pregnancy you feel like there's a big push coming up at, at, at day 90 that something big is going to happen but actually um it's just another day in recovery it's a significant day coming up but um i'm i'm conscious that i'm going through this phase from a newcomer to an old timer and a bit more experienced now that kind of critical 90 days so uh I knew that this could be potentially um, triggering for me in part, mm-hmm. so I've been in touch with my sponsor and um, I've got plans after to kind of look after myself, but it's been a, been a good week. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you.
3: Hi, I'm Peter. Um, this week's been good. I, my trauma can sometimes bring itself out in unusual ways. I can get a little bit intense, um, but as long as I keep myself in check and uh, understand what triggers me and can predict when there might be issues. I tend to be able to get through days okay. I'm not saying it's, it's not easy and I'm not saying it's not hard, but uh, each, I take each day as it comes.
0: Thanks guys, thanks. I think before we get into the discussion, Um, First of all, I realise there's a lot of colloquial terms around Chemsex, so if we do use any colloquial terms, let's uh, try and remember to explain it. Um, And also, this week I've been telling people that this week's episode is on Chemsex, and nine times out of ten people have turned around and said, what's that to me? So it might be worth us spending a few minutes defining what Chemsex is. To get us started, I turned to Google and uh, you can tell me what you think of the the Google definition of chemsex. Is it right? Is it wrong? Do we need to add anything to it in order to, to start the conversation? So Google says, strictly speaking, chemsex refers to gay or bisexual men using drugs to facilitate sex with other men. It's important to note that it's distinct from drugs which later lead to sexual activity, chemsex is where men take certain drugs because
3: they're about to have sex. Or during. Right, okay. Um, And after. And after, and then you start again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, it's, it's a very tame... It's sort of response, thanks, Google. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sort of sugarcoats it a little bit, doesn't it? I'll give that
2: one a two-star review on Google. Yeah,
3: could do better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, how should we... I mean, are there definitions in your mind that we could use just when talking about it in context of this podcast? Is there anything that the listeners might need to know um, in order to understand the rest of the show or...
2: It's funny, the whole chemsex thing, I've never really thought about it until now, that it's just gay or bisexual men or men have sex with other men. What about straight chemsex? What about bisexual chemsex? Um, you know, the chemsex goes on, but the chemsex in the Google review seems to, or definition seems to, point at gay sex, mm. correct? And before sex, like a kind of appetitive before the main course between two gay men.
3: Right. Just two. <laughs> I think there was a lot more than two. Um, I think I can give a historical perspective on chemsex before it was known as chemsex. Mm-hmm. I've been 15 years clean uh, from crystal meth, which I was introduced into in the East Coast American scene. Um, it was mainly G. Uh, it was mainly uh, GHB uh, or GBH uh there was also it was mainly crystal meth mm-hmm. on the east coast of america um by the time it came over to england it had mutated there were new drugs um that uh, sort of entered the mix and uh i'm i, I think i'm not going to be a, the one who's going to be able to uh talk about that but i can use terms there were historical terms like pnp which i'm Think has fallen out of favour. Which was party and play, mm. which was the term that was used before Kensex mm. was talked about. I believe there's also um, this is going to make me sound very ill, H and H, high and horny, yeah. Which is a, another sort of symbol that uh, you know is used uh, on online and on apps. I mean, this I used to use it in the days before the apps were there, but there was websites like Manhunt and uh, Gay.com mm. um, that uh, we would connect. Through. And it was the technology was not there to censor or protect people from the drugs, hmm. you know, which I believe are in place now.
2: And some sites, which I'll perhaps not name, but they would say you want to party, but the T would be a capital T to give people an indication that that, that crystal meth or Tina, hence the T, uh, was an offer, or it was about meth. Uh, simply by slipping in a capital T. Mm. So there were kind of ways in the adverts of sort of showing that. But some were very some sites were very yeah, I mean it was literally uh, yeah, profiles we, saying what they used and yeah. even videos of them, etc. So it's very easily available.
1: I guess picking up on what you were saying that it was the Google definition was a bit tame and you give it a two star review, it sounds like what you're saying is that this scene is a much wider be perhaps more extreme than the Google definition implies, um, more potentially, I'm putting words in your mouth, but maybe more chaotic than the Google definition implies?
2: All of that, all of the above for me, I would mm. say.
3: I um, think the Google uh, review is very Ladybird's book. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, a really very simple introduction mm. to a very, very, very deep dark world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which, fortunately, some people don't escape from, yeah. ever. Yeah.
1: And I guess leading on from that, Peter, I suppose it would be useful to think about um, what for the two of you is or was the relationship between historic trauma and your engagement with chemsex.
3: I think to begin with, very little, in all honesty. Um, However, what happened to me in my childhood and in my 20s had informed certain sorts of behaviours, a sort of a sexual compulsion, for example. You tell somebody who is sexually compulsive that you can have a... take a drug that will greatly enhance uh, feelings. Um, Nine times out of ten, that person will go for that if they have a compulsion. Also, as our ordinary people do it as well. But for somebody who has a history of chemical dependency issues, it can be quite big. And I would go over to people's apartments, and whereas if it was in England, it would be, you know, you want a cup of tea? Over there, it would be, (laughs) you don't want a bump? And you'd be like, okay. And uh, so, yeah, I had a rule when it came to drugs, uh, which was, well, I had three rules. Never take drugs that you have to pay for. Uh, never smoke, Tina, and never slam, Tina, inject. Uh, I broke the first one, I broke the second one, and i it's only my fear of needles that made me not go to the third one. So, so yeah, this, I would think the sexual compulsion caused by the trauma mm. given a new lease of life through the drugs. And it's very seductive, it's very... Um, it it allows you to
2: enact your impulses? Um, For me, three key things. Um, The biggest thing was escapism. So escapism from uh, the pain of sexual abuse in childhood, but also years later when both my parents became ill and eventually died, there was the stress around um, the loss of parents. So uh, chems and sex and chemsex was useful in kind of getting over that. Uh, There was also the idea that chemsex was uh, somehow wrong. Uh, What happened to me as a child was wrong. As an adult, I ran away from my past by doing something wrong Mm. and illegal. Um, Chemsex. Both the abuse and the chemsex were taboo. Um, Combining gay sex, which in some parts of uh, the world is is very... um, There's a lot of homophobia and discrimination against. uh, You combine that with class A drugs, this actually gave me a feeling of power, and excited uh, by the bonus that it was sort of underground and had an edge Uh, it was uh, enabled me to put two fingers up at society and say i don't care what you think i'm going to do this but actually in the end it was i don't care what happens to me Mm. Um, there is a familiarity between the two um, sexual abuse as a child and the self-abuse as an adult with chemsex and we're not talking just about the psychological and physical uh, aspects of the chems like poor sleep and poor diet and poor teeth etc uh, but the unsafe sex practices that can lead to so many people becoming HIV positive which happened to me um, I contracted hep C as well through chemsex, sex which I was successfully treated for but it's very easy to um, go over borders and barriers and boundaries when you're flying high as a kite so they, they erode any sense of um, the drawing line which um, Peter's touched on, Um, so um, it's very difficult to negotiate sex when you're flying high on a kite on camps
1: So there's something here about it being compulsive, transgressive two fingers up at society two fingers up at yourself as well, but also both of you saying that it's really difficult to control what, you know, you start off with rules, but then they all they just go out the window. Yeah. But you yeah. touched Peter on saying it um, It promises so much and it sounds like there was this sort of dilemma or this paradox of it promises so much, like you were saying, um, Glenn, about it being an escape um, from really difficult stuff that happened in your history and in your current life. It, it promises all of these things and yet it sounds like at the same time it was re-traumatising Can you say anything more about that sort of paradox? It promises so much and it's re-traumatising.
2: In terms of re-traumatising, I I have this uh, kind of uh, image of chemsex or or chems. When you first start this stuff, it's like jumping into the Maldives on a coral reef. And everything's beautiful. Everything's nice. Everything's colourful. You feel wonderful. Everything's lovely. And then slowly, you notice these oil slicks. And suddenly that oil slick gets thicker and darker and murkier. And there's a loss of life basically in it. And for some there is that because um, it's, it's very dark. And it's so um, insidious in the way it comes in that you, you don't really realise it at first. And I think that's, that's, that's the horrible thing about chems, specifically meth, that um, it erodes uh, and it's, it's a, a genius getting you enwrapped in into that world and then once it's like it's got its tentacles around you it's, it holds you um sex became risky and became hard extreme uh, there wasn't much niceness and kindness and care in the in the rooms of certain sites um it took you to the next level um and for some it was interesting so i learned a lot about my sexuality for example or aspects of sexuality like the bondage say masochistic stuff so uh for a while um I kind of replayed drama by being a, a, a slave, so people use me in a, in, uh, in a sexual setting because I was kind of trying to make sense of that. Um, but in the end, I found that that was actually just replaying old, old, old damage. Um, so fetishizing that experience worked for a while, but then I thought, this isn't, this isn't good for me. Um, uh, in the end, I sometimes felt like I had become um, a ventriloquist dummy to the drug. Um, a puppet on strings, childlike even, um, so uh, so different from the person I was before I started using. Regarding trauma,
3: it did make you behave in ways that, as somebody looking back sober, you would be horrified mm-hmm. by. Um, I can think of the recent British case of the guy who picked up a policeman who died during a sort of a particularly rough sex thing, and he chopped up the body. Mm. He chopped up the body and disposed of it that way, um, which I was looking back at that and thinking, yeah, that makes perfect sense when you are on meth. Because you cannot think straight. You know, if you've been up for five days and you're looking at the walls and words are forming... Or you can't go outside because you know the people in planes are looking down on you as you um, they go. That causes a huge amount of fresh trauma, mm. which took a very long time for me to, uh, to get through. But I did.
2: On, on that note, I think that the, the drug is- loves people who isolate as well. So sometimes you'd have the sex you'd feel horny, you'd go home, you couldn't sleep, basically on porn sites uh, <laughs> or other meetup apps. And you're, you're, you're then in isolation. So so the thing that you originally wanted, the sex, the connection, the, the, the meets, you're actually, you may get that for some time, but then you go back to a world of isolation again. So, And, and it becomes more isolating than when you started off, I mm. found. I always
3: found that... You would leave somebody's place, still be horny, you would be masturbating for eight hours, you're doing work in ten minutes, and you still haven't come. And I used to call it chasing my tail.
1: No.
3: Um, and uh, to be brutally frank, I used to say, you know, you would be spent so long time masturbating, I used to say, I had a dick like a baggage handler's arms. <laughs> because it was so tall. Oh God. I understand that uh, I I think it's necessary to use humour sometimes <laughs> yes. yeah. in these things to say that, you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom yeah. and you yeah. can get through it. So uh, sure. if I do say things that people
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> might be upset but... but I think anybody who's actually used Cansex is right who's listening to this podcast is right now nodding. Yeah. In yeah. Ag- yeah. in agreement. So yeah. I've hopefully I've yeah. given them a giggle. <laughs>
1: I guess also um, just two words that came up there is, um, or, or experiences that came up there, is the sense of shame as a result of, of perhaps how you've behaved in a chem sex scene and the paranoia, people mm. in planes being able to see you. And I'm thinking about that in relation to trauma and how often shame and hypervigilance are a result of trauma. And it sounds like, even though chems, seem to promise an escape actually repeat some of the experiences that you might feel from the original trauma I guess it holds a magnifying glass Mm.
3: up to it um it will exaggerate sort of you know what you've been through which is a great way of convincing you that you need more drugs in order to stop it Mm. in order to Mm. stop the trauma have another, you know, hit on, hit on the pipe, right. you know, you'll forget about it, you mm. know, even though it's actually, you know, every hit means that you won't be sleeping for another two
2: hours. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah.
1: Did you notice that there were impacts on other areas of your life?
2: I thought I'd get away with, with, um, using and not being caught. But one day I was at a party, um, I didn't know it was a, a drug dealer's house. Um, it was two in the morning and suddenly I had all this smashing of glass and police, police, police and the place was raided and um, all of us on site were separated. Um, I was arrested um, we spent I spent the night um, in a prison cell and um, I had stuff on me, possession and uh, class A, GHB and uh, methamphetamine. Um, now, unfortunately, I work in, in um, a, a job where I should not be doing that kind of thing. Um, so I had to tell my employers um, and I had a year's investigation. Um, I had to go and see psychiatrists. I had to go and give regular hair samples um, to for drug analysis. Um, and there was a years-long um, uh, investigation, if you like, from my my professional body uh, as to whether I should carry on working or not. Um, and uh, fortunately, I, I passed all those tests. Um, my I I love my work, I didn't want to lose my job, but I know many, many, many people who have lost their jobs, and they've lost more than their jobs. They've lost their homes, they've lost their families. Uh, This is no joking matter. Um, I can't say whether I would have become hiv not on chem sex, but I did, uh, along with the hep C and uh, other STDs, which um, I've cleared, of course, um, there is the impact that hasn't really been discussed, certainly on the Google definition, about <laughs> the problem that chems can do with regards to giving people enjoyment with not using chems. Yeah. So the vanilla chem-free sex suddenly becomes a little boring and... Um, some people don't even know how to negotiate that, yeah. and certainly in recovery wit or it might seem like a long time for the listener. If you really want to break that connection between sex and chems, is to not have sex for a long period of time, so you can sort of take those apart. Um, But the main impact really is that you're not present in the real world for periods of of time for friends, family and and yourself in life interacting with it.
3: To expand on what Glenn said, uh, my work sent me to rehab, uh, which was not the best experience for somebody like myself. Uh, Sex-wise as well, I think that's always something that people will always have an issue with. It's this realisation, a false realisation, but it's like, okay, you're going to become sober. You will never have that great sex again. And I think that's what pe- brings a lot of people back to it. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. It's the inner addict in you talking. It's, it's essentially saying, yeah, you had a really great time when you were on kept sex. You know, you'll never have that again if you give me up. Mm-hmm. And you're completely forgetting that you've spent five days awake. And you know you've got blisters downstairs. And you just let a complete stranger carry your television away because you've let pink complete strangers into your house. Uh, so these are things as well. Health-wise, mental health, I was a very heavy user and I have not come off unscathed. Mm-hmm. I have developed a social anxiety disorder. Uh, certain s- centres in my brain, I have brain damage. Uh, so I, I have no sp- very little spatial awareness. I have problems uh, with... Directions, for example, I would have to physically point to the left. Somebody, if somebody just said "turn left," I would have to physically think which way is left. I can't. It's that's gone. My hearing uh, has gone. I can no longer differentiate between sounds. This is a brain thing rather than a ear thing, which is why my hearing is is absolutely perfect whenever I have it tested. But uh, I have this condition because I have brain damage. I was a very heavy user. I live and have accepted these things, Mm -hmm. and I get through each day. I also weighed seven stone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what that is in pounds for the American uh, (laughs) listeners. I was seven stone. I had terrible skin, covered in sores, teeth were falling out, um, which has given me beautiful cheekbones. I will, I will admit, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, they'll never know. Yeah, yeah, they'll never know. They'll never, they'll never know. Imagine, imagine drunk (laughs) Crawford,
1: and there's me, there's me.
3: Uh, But yeah, so all these hell things that people just don't seem to want to understand Mm. and face up to the fact that these are heavy consequences Mm. of using. You know, but the good news is that you can work through it. Yes, it's, it's a tough old game to begin with, especially in the first ninety days. Mm-hmm. But you, if you can get through the ninety days, you can get through one hundred and eighty days. You can get through three sixty-five days. You can get through three thousand six hundred and fifty days. And your yeah. fifteen years, well and my
1: fifteen years. Yeah.
3: Nice.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Glenn. That was really, that was really interesting. Um, We'll be hearing back from Peter and Glenn again shortly. um, But for the next part of our podcast, we go into the field to meet an expert in trauma and chemsex.
0: For this segment of the podcast, we're joined by Simon Marks. Simon, welcome. Hi, Jeremy. Uh, It's really great to have you on the episode. Um, What I'll do is give you an introduction and and you're a guy who has a lot of experience in doing an awful lot of different things. So if I forget anything or basically mess anything up, please, please jump in and correct me. Um, So here we go. Simon is an addictions counsellor and certified drama therapist. He qualified from Roehampton University with a master's in 2016. He specializes in LGBTQ plus mental health, trauma, chemsex, and recovery. Simon runs a private practice for gay, bi, and queer men in central London, offering individual sessions, group therapy, and drama therapy. He also works at Mount Carmel Rehab in South London as part of a team delivering addiction treatment programs. Simon co founded and has run the Gay Men's Popular Community Discussion Group, A Change of Scene, since 2014. He has worked within the LGBTQ community since 2010 for Switchboard, the LGBT helpline, 56 Dean Street, and London Friend, where he delivered chemsex intervention and support programs for nearly four years. Simon is a workshop facilitator and delivers training in understanding addiction and LGBTQ plus awareness. Simon himself is in long-term recovery from drugs and alcohol and has been clean and sober since September, 2007. Simon, welcome.
4: Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to to be here, Jeremy. Thank you. So
0: Simon, uh, I'm gonna ask you the same first question that we asked the panel in the studio. As someone who works in the field, can we get your definition of chemsex?
4: Yeah, sure. So, so chemsex as, as a word uh, kind of arrived in, in the lexicon in, in around 2006 2007. Uh, chemsex specifically defines the use of uh, certain drugs, uh, specifically crystal meth and G, um, to facilitate, I guess, and enhance uh, sex either. Uh, in groups, or, or actually, uh, for from, from, from many people, just alone individually, um, with uh, traditionally or not exclusively within the gay, uh, bi, and queer male population. Uh, but obviously, it's not limited just to, to gay men using those drugs and, and involved in the chemsex scene, but historically. Uh, where we are today it's, it's most commonly associated with a subculture of 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 gay, bi, and uh, queer men.
0: Excellent, thank you. Um, in the in the studio, we um, to get that question started, we used uh, Google's definition to, to decide whether it was accurate or terribly inaccurate. And uh, I, th- I think Google should give you a call because that was much better. Um, <laughs> do you think? people can engage with chemsex in a sustainable way, and if so, why do so many people struggle with it?
4: I've never met anyone who can safely use crystal meth, let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's such a potent, powerful, and dangerous drug in terms of what it does to the brain uh, and to the brain's chemistry, um, either in terms of psychosis or the come-down itself, Um, that once somebody starts using that and is hooked, and it's very, very easy to get hooked on crystal meth, it's very, very hard to use it safely. And the question becomes, how do you use a drug safely that actually you can't really control?
0: Right, right. So I suppose there's something in there of somebody's behaviour and management of their behaviour is one thing, However, there's an inescapable fact that some of these drugs are detrimental to your body, regardless of how you manage your behaviour. There's there's a risk. There's always a, a detrimental risk to your health.
4: As a stimulant, crystal meth, um, you know, will take you up. G, on the other hand, is uh, depressant, which, which doesn't necessarily mean it makes you depressed, but what I mean by that is it depresses the, the central nervous system um, and so brings you down. Um, and it's the level at which that G can bring you down to the point where it can be fatal. Uh, we know that, uh, well, in 2017 anyway, um, there was uh, figures that were released to say that that um uh, a gay man or, or somebody was dying in London uh, every twelve days, probably from a G overdose you know g if it's overdosed is fatal and it can kill you you know that that i, I I'm not saying that for the shock value, but I think it's important to name what we 're dealing with here. Um, whereas crystal meth, the, the, the risk around crystal meth as a stimulant, it, it not only takes you up, but it, 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 what it does to the brain's receptors, it pushes the receptors back so far uh, and in very, very extreme circumstances that uh, many people who use crystal meth will will uh, kind of associate uh, with having um, psychosis or a psychotic episode. What people experience in psychosis Uh, as well as coming down from psychosis uh, that are the risk levels to life. And again, Mm -hmm. we're talking suicide levels here, attempted suicide. Uh, We're talking um, uh, an organisation I used to work for. Uh, We would often um, take calls, not on a Monday, but it would be Tuesday, and we would call it Suicide Tuesday because as people come down from a long weekend on crystal meth, uh, the... uh, the comedown can be so severe that that's when people uh, will often attempt uh, or consider, certainly, or be successful, desperately, unfortunately, in taking their own lives.
0: Maybe there's a segue in that to the next question. Do you think there's a link between chemsex and
4: trauma? it's really important that we invite some compassion here um, and uh, try to understand this very, very, very complex issue. Um, essentially, uh, people use drugs or drink or uh, uh, any kind of compulsive behaviour um, because they want to change the way they feel. And that's great. You know, uh, it's it's a real... Um, it's, it's a really human thing to, to kind of have a not very good day at work. For example, you get home or you've had an argument with your partner or something hasn't happened quite as you'd hoped and you go for a nice glass of wine or you go to that tub of ice cream to feel sorry for yourself. These are all really normal things. And certain substances do change the way we feel. Understanding the link between specifically why some people use these specific set of drugs uh, and we're talking gay men specifically here when you know when i just to, just to reiterate when i say gay men i'm encompassing gay by queer you know self-defining trans men msm so mm. forgive me for just just saying gay men it's understanding what some of those underlying issues are for gay men who many of us will have Um, a lot of experience um, in trauma and probably don't even realise it. We've lived our lives, many of us, um, growing up with um, very, very difficult feelings uh, about being gay. The rest of the world, even in 2020, but there are so many messages about uh, being gay, uh, even in 2020, Um, when if I was to walk down the street holding my partner's hand, I, you know, in certain parts of the UK, I might fear my life. Um, So when we're younger, we get these messages that there's something quite wrong with us. It could be that we've grown up in quite homophobic homes. It might be Uh, Some of us might have grown up with religious um, pressures. Some of us might have grown up being bullied. You know, statistically, we know LGBTQ plus people suffer far higher rates of um, depression, anxiety, um, low self-esteem, low self-worth, not feeling great about ourselves because we don't always have uh, those positive messages given to us when, when we're children. So when we grow up, or rather as we grow up, we learn to cope. Essentially, when you, when you get older, you want to find ways to change the way you feel. Drugs are great for doing that. I suppose I'm thinking about some of
0: your clients. You know, what, what are the challenges that they face when they come to you, they've knocked on your door looking for an intervention?
4: When something appears to be so good... And the intensity has been so high, even though you might be risking so much, it's that ambivalence of, I want to stop, but I don't want to stop. Because if I stop, sex is never going to be as good. Or guess what? I'm going to have to feel my feelings. You know, from a therapeutic point of view, you know, it's very, very hard to work with someone therapeutically if they're still using. You know, and I, I think this is where, where harm reduction can be an incredibly helpful tool, incredibly helpful tool to help people begin to reduce, uh, to make changes to their drug use. Um, in my experience, when somebody is at the level of being out of control and cannot control their drug use, eventually for that person to recover, they have to stop because otherwise we can't, as the therapist and, and the person I'm working with, we can't then look at the underlying stuff. And the underlying stuff, of course, is that trauma we talked about, is the little boy who grew up bullied, spat on, kicked at, um, uh, attacked, criticised, judged. Um, that wounded child is, is actually the part of us that needs to be recovered and we can't recover that part And when i talk about recovery uh, I, I kind of imagine it as you know recovering a part of you that's buried you know when a child is shamed a gay or lgbt child is shamed they hide themselves down in the unconscious and until that can be safely brought out if you're still using drugs You're never going to actually heal. And I think that's the hardest challenge because it's really hard. And again, this is where we invite compassion. It's really, really hard to recover from chemsex addiction.
0: Simon, last question um, before we leave you. Uh, Is there anything happening in the field right now that you feel is worth highlighting? And how do we find out more about your work? How do we follow you personally?
4: Well, thank you. Thank you for asking that. I mean, firstly, in in relation to what's happening in the field of recovery, I I, want to talk about recovery. Uh, I think it's really important. I think as the LGBT community, we don't talk enough about recovery. Um, We talk about um, uh, harm reduction and using um, safely. And I think, as I said, these things are brilliant, because they can help someone start to face their issues but it doesn't end there i think recovery is is a whole process of so things like uh the recovery the 12-step community uh there's organizations like smart uh, recovery as well uh there's um buddhist recovery uh there's obviously lots of rehabs now that are are, are more understanding and working a lot more with with chemsex so i work um Uh, In central London, um, I'm part of a practice of uh, therapists who work a lot with trauma and addiction. Um, So the website there is Um, www.thepractice.org.uk. You can email me directly if if you would like. If you have questions or you're not sure, um, I'm really, really happy to engage and hear from you. Um, Simon.marks, and that's M-A-R-K-S, at thepractice.org.uk. I also want to, to mention the uh, group that I run in London uh, called A Change of Scene, uh, which it's not specifically a recovery group, but it's a, a group where we have up to about 40 or 50 gay men every month meeting, coming together to talk about some of these issues that we've been exploring today around self-esteem um, and internalised homophobia Uh, relationships intimacy it's a group we've been running since about 2014 so please do if you're interested in attending please do uh, uh, look that group up it's called a change of scene
0: really interesting thank you so much for your insight and now we're going to go back to the studio with Catherine myself and our panel
1: that come with living with trauma on a day-to-day basis now i wonder if we can look at some of the things that can help us cope and i guess it's important to remember that everyone will find different things helpful while herbal teas and gong baths may be useful for one person they may be an absolute nightmare for another also one thing may help to cope one day but not help the next So it can be really helpful to have a list of different resources that you can draw on in different situations, and whether you're alone at home or on public transport, or in social situations that become unhealthy for you. So what helps us cope with the desire to act out and manage our history of trauma? Uh,
2: Whatever issue it is, is whether, you know, you don't know whether you're going to start doing using that stuff, or you've got a problem with it, or you want to come out of it, wherever it is part of that cycle you're at talk about what you intend to do or want to do share any troubles that you're that you're experiencing because inside by yourself is a very difficult challenge you're setting up for yourself so uh, I know now. I didn't then know that for too long I was looking outwards through a kaleidoscope full of chems, when I should have been really looking inwards through a microscope at myself. And I think it's 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 not an overnight process. It's a it's a twofold process for me. So I had to split the earlier childhood abuse through one charity, my abuse of that Survivors UK, who I'm very grateful for, and that was both group and one to one therapy. Then I had to split the other part and tackle the reason why I was picking up, the reason why I was drinking. And um, there's a few programmes out there, um, many programmes out there indeed. And uh, I'm not going to advertise or push anyone in a particular direction. I think it's really good to try as many interventions as you can to see what works for you. Um, rather like the bath gong, it doesn't work for, for everybody. Um, for me, the 12-step programme uh, is working Uh, It's the most sober and clean I've been in in my 30 years, so I'm sticking with what works. Um, I feel hopeful. I feel clear-minded. I feel optimistic. I feel loved, and that's self-love as well. I feel supported. Um, There is vulnerability when you're at these um, discussions, these meetings, but in your vulnerability, you're not Going to be used, taken advantage of, ridiculed. There's a there's a mutual love in that connection. Um, that's that's and that's really important. Mm.
3: I agree with you that talking therapies can help. I think with groups, it's not necessarily what uh, the the context of the of the group. It's actually that, that you are not alone mm. in your recovery, which is really important for most people. I prefer a recovery group called SMART, which is Self-Management and Recovery Training. It's different to 12 Steps. It's CBT and Cognitive Behavioural Therapy and REBT, Rational Emotive Behavioural Therapy-based group, which gets to the heart of the matter of why you need to use rather than... You know, as well as, as as the whole basis of recovery. Um, I think one of the most important things I learned in recovery was that uh, I'm not a sinner. I don't have a disease. Mm. Mm. I have a choice. And so it's really important that when you're ready, you have the choice to put down and that there are people out there, whether it's 12 Steps or whether it's CBT, mm. uh, that are there for you. And it's really important. Mm. How I got off... Uh, meth properly by going cold turkey and absolutely taking myself out of the situation. I had to leave the country that I was in, the States. I had to leave a very good job. I had to leave a very good life. But I thought, what was more important? You know, me getting high or and weighing seven stone or me living? Mm. And I chose to live. And that is... Taken away certain parts of of my life that I would take as a gay man. For example, I've never been out in Vauxhall, never been to any of these clubs or any put myself in any situation where meth or, or any sort of party drug would do that. And say, you know, what's 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 grinder? What is, what are these apps? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I purposely never have uh, access to these because I know that they trigger. Mm. A lot of people so i never put temptation in my way and that's one of the reasons i've stayed clean mm. yeah. I, th- I think
0: you know glenn said it and peter you've given great examples of it about finding something that works for you and i i think that really needs to be echoed in in all sorts of therapeutic interventions that y- you have autonomy to choose and explore different ways of helping and if one thing doesn't necessarily help that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong
2: exactly. it means
0: you yeah. can go and find something else so that can be 12 step that can be a smart program there are many different options
1: and I think just picking up on what you said um earlier on Glenn about how in the chemsex scene you were seeking to connect but actually you ended up isolated and you both say about how important it is to talk and to laugh and that's about connecting in a way that doesn't leave you isolated at the end
2: exactly and listen too because people are coming into these meetings whatever meetings they may be saying things and you're thinking I thought I just felt like that Mm. so actually listening to to people um, the great thing about most of the smart and 12 step is that you're allowed three minutes four minutes to talk uninterrupted which is a godsend because um, we all like to we're all thinking of the next thing to say and many people interrupt but uh, to actually get that special time to say whatever it is the core the the core heart of what's going on in your world um is really important i think it's also to remember for anyone who's thinking of accessing it is it is remember that you're you're worth more than the the drugs the drink and the abuse Mm -hmm. um because i think the self-confidence, the self-worth, all that has to be tackled for me anyway. That was a really key part of it, raising my self-esteem, that I felt that I could go on this meeting because I deserved a meeting. I deserved a way out.
0: Well said. Mm-hmm. This was a
2: poetry gig i have been clicking.
0: <laughs> um, so just to finish us off. If we could all recommend something that the listeners could go look up now or listen to now or watch now or order now, so be it a song, a TV show, a book, a YouTube video, uh, what that might help us manage, that might lift our moods a little bit, what would people recommend?
2: Well, I'm an addict. I can't recommend one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll abstain or i give it fear. <laughs> Uh, Peter? No, sorry, <laughs> Well, I'll start with the internet. I mean, actually it's there but for other reasons than masturbation. Yeah, kittens. <laughs> kittens and one kit. <laughs> if you think about all the days you wasted uh, creating blisters, shall we say, mm-hmm. fraction of that time to go and look for charities, for organisations mm-hmm. that can help you that are local to you or online... Uh, is really important. I don't know what Peter's going to think of this. My second point is actually what they call the serenity prayer. And it is a prayer. It doesn't mean it's necessarily religious, but it can be applied to all areas of life. And it's so simplistic. And it just simply says, grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And the third thing on a lighter note, I did find uh, Coldplay is my favourite uh, band and they did a soundtrack to the film called Unbroken, which is a song called Miracle. And uh, I felt that I would never get out of this Chem Hall mess. Um, but it was a miracle that I I found a way out, whatever route that was. And I'm grateful that I did because many haven't and I'm so pleased to be here today. So if you want a bit of motivation, that. Miracle Song and the film Unbroken is about inspiring you to get up and do something about, about, about your future life. Thank you.
3: What would I recommend? Um, think about what you used to like as a kid and rediscover it. Mm. Uh, some great music, uh, things that you've forgotten. Um, chemsex has a tendency to take over your life and so... Rediscover the stuff that you used to enjoy. You, that you used to enjoy. I found quite um, there are on YouTube spoken meditations for addiction. They're about half an hour long. Uh, they're really great. They're downloadable. Um, these are all sort of you know these are all things that I would recommend. You just simply search spoken meditation for addiction, mm. and a great half an hour one will come straight up. And it's a, it's a beautiful guide through, uh, through what you're going through. As well, you know, the chemical changes in your head will make you really enjoy searching for uh, things to do with your recovery. We still have that sort of little addictive nature in us. So you might as well use it to your own advantage and do some good.
1: I'm going to draw on what everyone has said and think about my childhood. And when things are difficult, Um, I will go back to Paddington Bear um, (laughs) who is my very good friend of mine and I understand marmalade sandwiches (laughs) and how much they can help your world and I also find it really reassuring that Paddington also can't do DIY and neither can I and, and if he can't then, you know... Life is okay, um, and then linking um, Paddington with another sort of bear and thinking about different ways that you can use um, search engines is. And I know this is very—it went viral and everyone knows it. But I do really love the clip of the sneezing panda, oh, um, yeah. the where the <laughs> where the baby panda sneezes and mother panda is completely freaked out by the sneeze, and it's just it's just beautiful. And I can watch it again and again and again and and laugh. Every time it's just gorgeous. So Paddington, one sort of bear. Sneezing panda, another sort of bear. And then pandas are black and white. And I'm going to go back to more black and white animals <laughs> and the Google and childhood. The border collie sledding. Um, also, if you put that in a search engine, border collie um, sledding down a hill and then dragging the sled back up the hill, sledding down the hill, dragging the sled back up the hill, and actually repeating sledding as opposed to chemsex, I think <laughs> is a very, <laughs> it's a very fine
3: thing. A segue, there's a, meta, there's a metaphor in there, yeah, isn't there? Absolutely. Paddington understands.
1: Yeah.
3: Paddington doesn't judge. No, <laughs> he
0: never judges. Um, Kathy, I keep forgetting not to go after you in this bit because yours are always really, really good. Um, What's mine going to be? Okay, so while we're talking about, uh, like, Googling stuff and and videos and stuff, uh, there's a video of guinea pigs crossing a bridge in Japan and somebody's written a song called Guinea Pig Bridge and the video's about... It's under a minute and uh, this... Um, do you know what? I'm not going to explain it too much because I don't want to give it away. But if you Google guinea pig bridge into YouTube <laughs> or something, that is an utter delight. Um, <laughs> <I> f- <laughs> Catherine's writing it yeah. down now. Everybody's <laughs> uh, right now yeah. looking at guinea <laughs> pig bridge <laughs> phone. Yeah, pause the podcast, go to guinea pig bridge. What I've recently started doing um, is doing uh, drawings. And here's the thing, because I'm not creative in any particularly impactful way. I just, you know, but I do like the process of sitting and doing something with, with my hands and drawing and creating something. But I'm doing it with the frame of mind that I'm not gonna show this to anybody. This is not um, to go, oh, look at this, here's a thing I made. It's just for me. So it doesn't, so it can be crap. It can be a stick man. Uh, you know, it really doesn't matter what it is, but it's just taking the time to sit, do one thing that is obviously using some part of my brain that's creative or or whatever, and then just closing the notebook and then putting it away. And I've done this one thing for five minutes. Don't have to worry about it being good, just sitting and doing it. So that's what I've been doing recently while listening to Jagged Little Pill and uh, reading Paddington books. (laughs) Covered in marmalade. (laughs) Covered in marmalade, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a different coping strategy. (laughs) There's not enough time for that. Um, (laughs) Move us along,
1: (laughs) With some marmalade sandwiches, we'll leave it there for this episode. A big thank you to our guests, Peter and to Glenn, and to HMVS Recording Studio and Paul Chivers for making this happen and Nadia who's sitting next to him and Nadia Nadia. who's sitting next to him him.
0: Um, and a big thank you to Zita Zuta Konak who's our producer and a big shout out to Kevin Konak who's started supporting us recently Um, oh it's your bit go on
1: and lastly a thank you to you for listening
0: Uh, please do make sure to subscribe Uh, when you review the podcast that helps people find it so a humble five stars would be excellent Um, and Catch you next time. ta